While God created the world, the morning stars sang together. After God delivered Israel through the Red Sea, Moses and Miriam led the people in singing. God destroyed Israel's enemies under King Jehoshaphat while the choir sang. When Jesus was born, the angels sang, and before going to the cross, he sang. God rejoices over us with singing, and one of the only things we know for certain that everyone will be doing in heaven is singing. At New St. Andrews College, we understand that music is not an elective. It is central to our being and identity. We endeavor to train all our students in a joyful and robust musical literacy that will help them shape culture in a Christ-like direction wherever they go. Additionally, we offer the Certificate of Music in conjunction with our bachelor's degree in liberal arts and culture for students who desire extra music training beyond the regular music courses they will take as a part of the core curriculum. In the certificate program, you won't simply appreciate music or listen to it or talk about it. You will do music. You will study it, analyze it, read it, write it, sing it, and play it. You will receive private instruction in your primary instrument as well as secondary lessons in voice, piano, conducting, and other instruments. You will receive a solid foundation in music theory and analysis. You will study music history, church music, and music pedagogy. And when you graduate, you will leave with the ability to sing, play, understand, and steward music in whatever church or community you plant yourself. I'm Dr. David Erb, and this is the Certificate of Music at New St. Andrews College. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations, the world's largest classical Christian homeschooling community. I'm launching a new podcast, Refining Rhetoric. If you like cross-politics or just listen to hear what crazy stuff they're saying today, you will enjoy Refining Rhetoric. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I practice the 15 tools of learning by interviewing great guests, looking at current events, and talking about cryptocurrency. Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politics. It's Monday evening, good to be with you. Happy Martin Luther King what? Jr. Day. Yeah, what would, what would you get Birthday. if Martin Luther King Jr. and a Baptist and a Presbyterian all walked in the same bar together? What do you, what do you, what do you think would happen there? Oh uh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Cross politics Monday night special. Woo! <laughs> good to be with you on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Hey. Pastor Toby Chalk Knox, I'm the water boy. You know, it's not too late to make a New Year's resolution for 2023. You guys know that? It's, it's, yeah, it's I not, know. I'm still, I'm still. It's not too late. It's not too late. This year. I want to urge you to resolve to support hard-hitting, truth-telling, culture-shaping publications and subscribe to the Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine. Wow. Join our fight against an evil culture through print media by getting a subscription to the Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine. The Fight, Laugh, Feast magazine is our rowdy Christian mojo incarnated into print media. This is a good ad. Who wrote this well, ad? Well, tech giants try to shut down our avenues to deliver the truth to you. We are the underground resistance delivering theologically driven cultural commentary from faithful and heavy-hitting authors right to your door. Mm. Psalms to sing, recipes for feasting, humor to encourage, belly laughs, serrated theological essays, mm -hmm. all to the glory of God. So sign up your church, your grumpy uncle, the Pope, Elon Musk, and all your kids and grandkids, even if they're not baptized. <laughs> Platinum Club members, you Gotta get a magazine subscription for free. So, if you're not a club member yet, sign up today. Four issues are only $60 per year. Go to fightlefeast.com right now and subscribe today. Just keep that New Year's resolution you just made. That's right. And we got uh, Cal Beisner writing in this uh, next art, uh, uh, next right. art, this, yeah. this next art, uh, magazine issue. issue. 
is going to be Damn Darwin. Whoa, come on. Yes. This is a family show. Yep, mm. he he needs to be damned. Oh, I think he already In is. In all his ideology. <laughs> he has, he's, no, that, he's that already, is true. He's un- but we got Cal Beisner, Dr. Uh, Gordon Wilson, yeah. um, our boy Brian Sussman. Ooh, yeah, yes, we haven't had Brian on the show for a while. Time. We should probably get him on, yeah, yeah. yeah. after he writes his article. Um, he's got to do something <laughs> for us and then get him on. <laughs> um, uh, Dr. Uh, Pastor Wilson, Pat, yeah. Pastor Toby, and a bunch yeah. of other yeah. good, good uh, um, George Grant. Yeah. On the history of of Darwinism, yeah, it's man. fantastic. Get ready, so, buckle yeah. up, subscribe today. Yeah. Hey, we're grateful to have with us back. Actually, this is the second or third time. We've second had, time, yeah. Chad Jackson, Dallas-based entrepreneur mm-hmm. researcher who mm-hmm. starred in the hit 2020 film. What, what state is Dallas in? Uncle Tom, <laughs> shut up, <laughs> Uncle Tom, <laughs> and the subsequent 2022 film, Uncle Tom. Two, Chad is frequent contributor to podcasts, radio shows, news programs, and to the Uncle Tom YouTube channel. Making the case for moral Christian ethics, family values, independence, and intentional citizenship. Mm. Chad, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me, guys. A uh, true Texan. Absolutely. A true Texan. <laughs> I'll tell true, you what. Chad, are you a true Texan? Born and raised. Oh, there you go. I've never lived anywhere else. There you go. That's Man. that's promised land blood right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he didn't even hesitate. Yeah, the yeah, question yeah. is, will you take Gabe back? <laughs> <laughs> would, would you, at, least, at least for visits. <laughs> more often. Yeah. More, more uh, regularly. So, Chad, today's um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. And the day and the, today our, our country uh, remembers him and, yeah. and celebrates him. So um, help us out. Help our audience out. Is Martin Luther King Jr. a man that we should be celebrating? Uh, absolutely not, um, especially as believers. Um, he's definitely not someone we should be uh, celebrating. Here's a man who used the Christian faith uh, particularly the um, pastoralship uh, to, in a sense, convince people to go the way of social justice, mm. uh, to go the way ultimately of Marxism. Um, if you look at the state of the average black man, particularly in the South prior to the 1960s, under the behest of people like Booker T. Washington, um, who you know advocated for casting down your bucket where you are. In other words, nobody's going to give you anything. It's on you. Be a man, be a person of integrity, take care of your family, take care of your responsibilities, be an entrepreneur. Um, that was the kind of mindset that many black men had uh, in the South in particular um, between the end of slavery and you know the 1950s. And what Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement did is actually kind of genius. Um, first of all, he was popularized by the mainstream media who, by the way, mm. were very antithetical uh, to the Christian faith at that time. So why is it that they would have an interest in this Negro pastor from the South? Uh, in fact, uh, the New York Times wrote an article in 1957 praising Martin Luther King, um, where they said, here's a Negro who is from the South. However, he received his education in the North, and he's bringing intellectual dynamism to the stubborn Negroes of the South. Mm. So they said that about him in 1957. Um, if you look at uh, some of the uh, Marxian kind of professors uh, under you know which he received his his seminary education, um, particularly when he was going from Crozer uh, to Boston, um, the uh, kind of uh, what, what do you call it the um, recommendation letter. Mm-hmm. If you look at the recommendation letter. They're saying things like, you know, here here is a Negro who can, you know, take 
this kind of uh, liberal way of thinking uh, to those Negroes in the South who, particularly the pastors who are, um, I forget the word that he used exactly, but something to the nature, something to the uh, degree of, you know, typically whenever a Negro pastor uh, gets his degree and goes and, and preaches uh, at a church, takes a commission at a church, um, they're known for a kind of recklessness. Martin Luther King, he, he's the one who can take our message to to the South. Mm-hmm. And so you have all of these people saying something to the extent of taking our message to the South. Now, exactly what is that message? Uh, I'm convinced, based on my research, uh, the correspondence that I poured over, um, the interviews uh, that I've I've had the privilege of watching from people who were in his inner circle, um, that the mark that the message that he was wanting to push was that of Marxism, but he did it in a very kind of clandestine way, uh, and not so much an overt way. And the last point I'll make on that is, you know, a lot of people remember Martin Luther King for the "I Have a Dream" speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the speech was very universal, universally acceptable. Um, here is a speech that kind of lauded the uh, the Constitution, um, you know, brotherhood. Um, everybody getting along, uh, meritocracy, where he talks about not being judged mm-hmm. by the color of your skin, but by the uh, content of your character. Right. If you look at that, at who actually wrote the speech, the speech was written by Clarence B. Jones, um, um, Stanley Levison, and Bayard Rustin. Uh, now, Bayard Rustin and Stanley Levison both were communists. Hmm. Um, Stanley <laughs> Levison was a a treasurer for a communist front group in New York. And Bayard Rustin was a communist organizer um, who taught Martin Luther King the philosophy of nonviolence. So the three of them are the ones who actually wrote the speech. Now, why would communists want to write a speech that talks about meritocracy and patriotism and the Constitution? Well, the simple answer to that is deception. Hmm. Um, the idea being, in order to get into the good graces of the American pop, uh, public, who at that time were by and large anti-communist, you want to use someone like Martin Luther King and make him appear appear as a kind of moderate, as the moral leader of our day, is what they called him. In fact, they call him the moral leader of the 20th century. And you want to make him look and appear larger than life. And you had a kind of collectivized interest in doing that when you look at the mainstream media, when you look at a lot of a lot of the white kind of liberal um, theologians, when you look at um, just the whole slew of, of, of different, um, I guess, facets, making him appear larger than life uh, in order to, um, and this might sound like a grand conspiracy theory, but in order to shake off the kind of fundamentalism that mm. existed amongst black Negroes in the South mm. and to replace it with a kind of activism that we see in New York with, with groups like NAACP. The NAACP had a very difficult time because here's a group that existed since 1907, but they had a very difficult time making their case to Negroes in the South because Negroes in the South were church going, they're family oriented mm. and people like W.E.B. Du Bois, who was a leader of the NAACP, at least the 
the perceived leader. It was really started by a white Marxist woman, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, um, no, it's here. <laughs> but but, but W.E.B. Du Bois was an atheist, and his ilk, many of them were, were atheist intellectuals. They had a very difficult time connecting to church-going Negroes in the South. And so Martin Luther King offered uh, just kind of a grand slam. Here's a man who is the son of a pastor. He grew up with a front row seat watching Martin Luther King Sr. Uh, preach, uh, very fine oratory skills, uh, leading a, a church, a growing church, uh, which unfortunately since the 60s uh, has become, into this very moment, yeah. um, um, has no loyalty or fidelity to the scriptures or to God, but rather to Marxism and social justice. Uh, that's what Ebenezer Baptist Church is today. And it has been that way since the 1960s. But yeah, th- th- that's the last point I wanted to make is that um, 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 <laughs> so, so Chad, Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, you, you mentioned um, in your, in your little um, time there that uh, Martin Luther uh, wanted to promote uh, Mark King, Martin Luther Martin King. King. I don't know. Okay, all right. MLK. King. Let me just go MLK. All right. Two different. I get it. I get. It. I know. But we're, but we're obviously talking about you know. <laughs> okay. I mean, we aren't talking about you know get Calvin his, and Luther, right? right? Get his all right. Name right. Okay. Um, <laughs> that he wanted to promote Marxism. Now, why did why did he want to promote or how did he promote Marxism when is when he's obviously fighting racial issues? Um, how, how's mm. how's the message of Marxism Marxism question. coming through and and how he fought racism? Well, I encourage people to look at the 1928 Soviet Union common term, specifically when they uh, get to the subject of the so-called Negro problem. And they talk about how it's important that they exploit, and this is, you know, uh, communist Russia speaking, how it's important to exploit the race issue in the United States and to use that to their advantage so as to get a foothold amongst Negroes because they rely upon intersectionality. They rely upon the so-called minority, um, the underdog, uh, to rail against the system, to use as a battering ram against the system. So this goes as far back as the early 1920s. Um, And basically Martin Luther King was kind of part and parcel of that. The fact of the matter is, and we don't learn about this in our in our schools, the media certainly doesn't talk about, about it, but relationships between blacks and whites were, uh, were doing quite well um, between the middle and, I'm sorry, the early and middle 20th century. They were certainly increasing. Um, the communists were very strategic and uh, agitating and doing a lot of things secretly to stoke mm. racial divide between black and white in the South. Um, this is well documented in, uh, in their own records. Like what's uh, an example of A lot of, of church bombings, okay. a lot of church bombings, a lot of burning down of black businesses, trying to frame it to make it look like uh, the Ku Klux Klan did it. Now that's not to give the Ku Klux Klan any kind of pass, but it's important to note that the KKK um, the communists were working both sides of it. They were on the one hand stoking, and even and even you know going under the hood themselves, uh, uh, doing a lot of kind of nefarious activity. They were doing that on the one hand, and then on the other hand, they were they were kind of posturing themselves as the savior for the Negro and the downtrodden and the poor and the unfortunate. 
Mm. Um, now, the thing is, is, if I can convince you that um, somebody else is uh, your, your main problem, they don't want you here, they hate the color of your skin. Um, however, if you vote for the people I tell you to vote for, if you support the policies I tell you to support, never mind the fact that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was unconstitutional, mm-hmm. which, again, that's another thing we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, titles two and seven are unconstitutional. Um, but the whole purpose to answer your question and using the kind of race issue to, uh, to push Marxism, the same thing happened with feminism. Um, where uh, certain people saw it necessary to uh, push this idea of women's suffrage and women working, so on and so forth, in order to tax the feminine half of our population on the one hand and to get the children into centralized public education on the other. Uh, What that does is obviously it, it adds more money to the government coffers but it gives the government uh, an opportunity uh, to to churn out statists. Uh, That's right. Um, on the other hand, and so, but to the to the you know untrained eye, we look at it and say, oh, you know, women voting. What's wrong with that? You know, um, and so the same thing is true of the civil rights movement. Um, what it did was it gave the government, the federal government, more of a foothold and to private owned companies, private businesses. And not only that, but it created a kind of entry point, a, a kind of threshold, if you will, whereby um, this kind of uh, race based policy policies and politics can be depended upon uh, on into the future. And, and it certainly has, when you look at affirmative action, when you look at a, a whole number of policies re- with relation to voting rights and so on, uh, these are all things that sound good, that sound like they are positive for humanity and for society. When you look closer at these bills, what you'll find is that the only purpose they serve is to expand the role of the federal government on the one hand and to usurp our rights as free American citizens on the other. So that's the reason you want you would want to use race to push Marxism because Marxism uh, uh, seeks to centralize all power to the government that, that's helpful but like specifically what was like martin luther's marxist king. messaging martin luther king <laughs> jr not senior just so you know we're talking about junior all right um what what specifically was his marxism messaging in his fight for against racism so martin luther king um was advocating um and i'm going to use his words for a universal basic income He was also advocating for a mass redistribution of economic power and of wealth. Again, both of of these these things are Marxism. Um, When when asked about whether he kind of just became more progressive and liberal in the latter years of his life, uh, one man who was interviewed who was very close to him said no. He, He always believed these things since college. He always believed in a, in a kind of Marxist uh, uh, economic system, um, but he wouldn't go so far as to say that Martin Luther King believed in a Marxist government. He, he said that he believed in the Marxist economy. 
Um, now, it's important to note that Martin Luther King himself rejected being a communist. Right. Uh, he wrote a book, and in it, he said that he couldn't be a, a communist because he's a Christian, and Christianity and Marxism are incompatible. Right. However, if you look at the words that he used, if you look at the chapter in the book, you'll find that almost word for word, he plagiarized that chapter from a man named Robert McCracken. Robert McCracken wrote the same exact words just a few years prior. So my question is, hmm. if you were renouncing communism and you felt so strongly about it, why not use your own words to do so? Why plagiarize somebody else's words to uh, reject or renounce something that you find detestable? To me, that seems disingenuous. But Martin Luther King was a, a notorious plagiarist. In fact, the whole reason he got his doctorate was because he plagiarized a, a lot of the content and, uh, and, and his uh, materials. Man. Okay, I'm going to let you do this, ad, we're, but we're, I'll, I'll wait. Like, uh, is this show going to get canceled on it's, YouTube? It's, I think, yes. I think Chad yes. Jackson's like said all kinds of things on here. And that, we're going to have hate mail. Like, and <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, before we get back to Chad, Jesus is Lord in public and in private. Every area of life must be subject to his lordship, and our use of technology is no exception. What captures our attention on the screen either glorifies or dishonors our Lord. That's why Accountable to You is committed to promoting biblical accountability in our families and churches. Their monitoring and reporting software makes transparency easy on all your devices so that you can say with the psalmist, I will not set anything worthless before mm -hmm. my eyes. Guard against temptation with accountable to you. That's the word accountable, the number two, and then the word you. And live for God's glory. Learn more and try it for free at accountabletoyou.com forward slash FLF. Chad, you got to help me out with something because this is this is really troubling in a lot of ways. We talked a little bit about this, and you've out, outside of you, the only other person I've heard be this um, clear about Martin Luther King has been Doug Wilson. That's the only other person. Uh, the other people who have been who've tried to talk about this, like uh, Christopher Caldwell, is it on? Um, oh, oh, uh, I, I see the yeah, I see the book, but I can't think of it. And something enlightened, something anyway. But that's the only other person that yeah. I know has been so clear on this. But the thing I wanted to ask is this conversation, Martin Luther King, his everything that he's he represents now has been brought into both parties, the left and the right. Um, and, and everybody kind of takes him on. My question is, how is it that thinking conservatives who oppose communism are able to embrace somebody yeah. like Martin Luther King. And here's my example that I want to play a clip for you. This this is Christopher Rufa. He's a good guy. He's been sounded the alarm on wokeism and the school uh, transgenderism, stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yep. He's doing a great job. But um, now he's been appointed by Governor um, DeSantis. Ron DeSantis in Florida yep. over Florida. Was it part of Florida? I can't remember. It Free College of Florida. Free College of Florida. And this is what he says going to be board. what he's going to be doing on the board. My first priorities that I'm going to bring to the board on the first meeting is to abolish the diversity, equity and inclusion programs at New College of Florida, because what they do is they say something very simple. We should treat children and, and students and adults differently on the basis of their skin color. Uh, and I'm going to be proposing a new department of equality, merit and colorblindness. We're going to protect your individual rights. We're going to treat you equally under the law. And we're not going to play favorites either way on the basis of race or gender. And so this is going to drive them insane. We're going to see a massive reaction from the left. 
But when the public hears what we're doing, they're saying, wait a minute, we love colorblind equality. That is the heart of America. We're going to see a 70-30 support in our favor. That's the DeSantis way. We're really following his playbook. Uh, and we're just trying to do what we do to support and reinvigorate those beautiful American principles. And so there's this, this idea of a content of character over the color of skin, right? And you see that kind of yeah. coming there. And what he's where he's fighting and the things he's fighting, absolutely, like, go get him, man. But there's this kind of um, leechiness that's part of the Martin Luther King. Yeah. It sounds he, good. It, he's it, assuming the rhetoric right, of assuming, MLK. Yeah, and it, and I'm sure no one, uh, shoot, few people are willing to stand up and say, yeah, MLK, bad idea. But yet, we, and yeah. we, we embrace him. We're conservatives. We think clearly. And yet we're embracing a guy who embraced a communistic worldview. How does that happen? Well, the thing is, is like, again, um, when you look at the speech and, and they're not MLK's words because he didn't write them, yep. um, Good he, point. He, he delivered them. He delivered them very eloquently, though. He was very, you know, charming yep. and, and very articulate guy. I mean, who can who can deny that? Right. right. Uh, um, but the thing is, like those words uh, treated on the basis of your character as opposed to your color are, those are universally true words. Like that's meritocracy. That's what we want. My argument isn't that the words are wrong. My argument rather is that the, the they were delivered disingenuously again to um, boast the popularity and to get into the good favor of the American population to then push a campaign that is actually un-American. Uh, there's a book that was written by, um, uh, what was his name? Walter Lippmann. He was a prominent yeah. journalist throughout the 20th century. He wrote a book called Public Opinion in 1922. I just bought that. And in it, he, yeah, you, sh you should read it. So in, in that book, he talks about, um, you know, pushing a campaign that's out of favor with the, with the population or with the public of a specific country, of a given country, I should say. He says the first thing that the leader or the politician must do or the propagandist must do is to use rhetoric to get into the good graces of the mm -hmm. people. And the way that they do that is to pinch a, a grievance, to use symbols of patriotism or use symbols of religion. Mm -hmm. uh, once, once that leader has gotten into the good graces of the people, those people will then turn in toward him and expect for him to push a policy of campaign. Uh, and so that leader will push a policy of campaign, um, never mind the fact that the policy is disconnected from the rhetoric they use in the first place. Hmm. Um, so when you look at Martin Luther King, what was he pushing toward the end of his life? The poor people's campaign. This yeah. is what I was talking about earlier with the redistribution of wealth and, and a, a, a basic universal income and all the rest of it that goes along with it. How How is that? I mean, that sounds a lot like socialism to me. That doesn't sound like meritocracy. And so my question, uh, David, uh, to those who are conservatives, who are Christians, who claim, you know, to to support conservatism and Christianity and the scriptures is how do you juxtapose that? How do you juxtapose the campaigns that Martin Luther King was pushing uh, with the things that he said in that speech? Uh, because to say something and to deliver a, a speech is one thing, but to receive money from communist front groups, and there's check stubs to, to, to corroborate this, 
uh, and to uh, be actively pushing for socialist-esque, Marxist-esque policies, that's a different thing entirely. Yeah. And so we, like, think about it. You, you said it yourself, conservatives and liberals alike. We all celebrate Martin Luther King. Yep. Why do we do that, though? Because of something that he said. We are more concerned about something that he said as opposed to things he actually did and things he was actually pushing for. Wow. You know, you're so right. When you go back and look at it, shocked me. I was making a comparison between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and I was doing some research. And I started looking at all the videos of Martin Luther King and every one of his videos. He's he's telling the people who are suffering from being poor or whatever's going on. He's like, we're going to take it to Washington. We're going to the president's yeah, going to hear yeah, us. Uh -huh. Everything that he said really pushed the government is going to come and fix your problem. And I was like, wow, I don't remember seeing yeah. this everywhere all the time and, and right. you start looking at it, you start seeing like there's a different approach to where he feels like the answers are very machiavellian very socialistic and you're like that's not the same yeah, thing not, that i'm that's not conservatism that's, that's not, not christian know. that's not biblical christianity and so chad where can people watch uncle tom too i got first got to say this i appreciate what you guys do in the film because there's very few films that paint the the way forward and more of them always looking back to to kind of say um here's our problem but what you guys did in Knuckle Time mm -hmm. 2 was very encouraging because it painted a way it painted the past in a way that's like, oh, if I get married, have me some kids, go baptize them, and live a godly <laughs> life. Uh, <laughs> things things kind of God blesses faithfulness over time. And that's one of the things that you saw in the film Uncle Tom 2. So where can people go watch Uncle Tom 2 at? Yeah, so you can watch Uncle Tom 2 at Epoch TV. Epic, some people pronounce it Epoch, some Epic, E-P-O-C-H yep. uh, TV. Um, that's their streaming service. You can also find it on Amazon um, and UncleTom.com. Those are three major places you can find it. We're um, currently in the works of putting it on other streaming platforms as well. But those are the three major places. And by the way, I, I must say this. So you said earlier that besides myself and Doug Wilson, you don't really see too many others uh, speaking on this. Um, you're just giving credit where credit's due. Uh, Bodie Bauckham has been talking about these things yeah. uh, for well over a decade. Yep. And he got a lot of flack uh, whenever he uh, outed Martin Luther King's socialism at a time where literally no one else was talking about it. Um, I don't think he's talking about it as much these days. I don't think he's talking about much of anything these days, uh, really. I mean, I know he he still goes on speaking tours, and um, he's doing a very fine job with that. And, um, you know, I love Odie. Um, but, yeah, besides, uh, he was one of the first people I see, I saw, um, talking about these sorts of things. And yeah. I didn't want to believe it. Everything in my in me was denying it and rejecting it. And, yeah, Bodie, <laughs> I believe you. I, I agree with you on much, most everything, but you can't touch Martin Luther King. Brother, right. what are you doing? <laughs> right. And then it wasn't until I looked into it myself, and I was like, man, he's right. Wow. <laughs> he's Smash that right. idol. Hey, Chad, you got 10 more minutes to hang around after the, we get done, go backstage, or you got to run? Uh, I got literally 10 more minutes. So All right. No, no we, more than that. Hold, hold on one <laughs> second. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have you some kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. If, um, until tomorrow, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is cross politics. I had backstage. A joke, I had a joke in my head, but I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to wait until we're backstage. And, uh. It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves.
Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger. Putting off writing that proposal again? Yeah, we've been there. Proposal writing can be tough. It takes work. And if you're not careful, you can set up your company for failure. Well, that's where we come in. Smart Pricing Table is an innovative application that focuses on, well, the pricing table. Instead of a static document and constant back and forth, our platform creates interactive proposals that empower your prospects. Not sure if something is needed? Make it optional. Have complicated services that vary? Let your customer do the work with line item upsells. Have reoccurring services? Easy peasy. With Smart Pricing Table, you can create attractive proposals quickly. And our system is built for reuse, so you can get out of that hamster wheel. Give your customers choice and close deals quickly with Smart Pricing Table.